0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by the MarTech Podcast, hosted by my friend Ben Shapiro. Brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, with episodes you can listen to in under 30 minutes. The MarTech Podcast shares stories from world class marketers who use technology to generate growth and achieve business and career success. Recent episode, one of my favorite extending the lifetime value of your customer. You know, I love to talk about that. Listen to the MarTech podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Oliver Berkman. He's the author of The Anecdote happiness for people who can't stand positive thinking for many years he wrote a popular column on psychology for the guardian newspaper and he's got a new book out that we're going to talk about today called four thousand weeks time management for mortals so oliver welcome to the show
1: thanks very much for inviting me
0: I, i i have to ask this do you did you study psychology at all or were you just practicing on your readers
1: <laughs> uh, when I was studying things, I wasn't doing. Mu- I did a little bit of psychology. I mainly studied political science when I studied things. No, and then I was practicing on myself and on my readers. Yeah, trying to be upfront about that. I wasn't claiming to have certifications, but yeah, yeah it was a, a sort of a, a constant work in progress. Well, well, I
0: know it was a very popular column. I went back and looked at a few, and you were able to work a little humor in, which I think is probably always good in a, a <laughs> psychology yeah. study. First off, I'm going to tell you, I love this book, but when I got into it, I found it a little depressing because unfortunately you tell us that, or at least all I hear, is that pretty much we've got to give up the fight. And I'm thinking, where are the hacks? And that's obviously, that's the point of the book, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think I'll accept depressing as a sort of initial assessment until you've let this viewpoint permeate <laughs> you. I do very passionately believe that that where this leads is not depressing, and I yeah. think it's crucial. There's a distinction here, right? Isn't there? Because it, it, you should give up. The, it's about giving up the fight when it comes to yeah. using time. But it's about giving up the fight to do something that is not possible. Yeah. Which is to do everything to yeah. become perfectly productive and optimized. Yeah. The reason you give up that fight, I think, or should give up that fight, is in order to have the time, energy, and attention and focus to do some incredibly cool things with your short time on earth. It's, you can tell it's a question that gets me going because I, I, I don't want this to be a council of despair. It's a kind right. of coming back down to earth yeah. in a way that lets you get, roll up your sleeves and get down to business.
0: But I'm guessing there are some people out there that are challenge you, challenging you a little bit because you've blown up what we've been conditioned to believe. <laughs>
1: and that, sometimes that's hard, even if we've come to the realization that it's true. I think I have spent a long time as a sort of a productivity geek, right. trying to implement the latest cool, system for doing ever more and becoming perfectly optimized and all the rest of it and what happens is because that because the goal is impossible because we live in a world of infinite inputs demands ambitions obligations they're all effectively infinite become perfectly optimized so that you can do them all yeah. you just become in the words of uh, jim benson the consultant i quote in the book that you become a reservoir for other people's expectations you become yeah. What happens is you never decide what you're saying yes and no to. And as a result, you say yes to everything that other people want you to do, whether it's right for you or not.
0: Yeah. And there's plenty of people out there that would rather have you say yes. So another maybe big dollop of good news (laughs) is you put a number of 4,000, which is not a very big number necessarily, very definable of what a typical lifespan is. And I must admit, I'm sure some people that number
1: was like, wait a minute, that's all there is? Right, four thousand weeks is not quite eighty years, but I'm using four thousand because it's a nice round number. Yeah, and in fact, given that I'm talking to a marketing expert, maybe terrifying people out of their pants will prove not to have been no. a wise strategy for selling a book. But I, I really wanted to, at the front and at the beginning get down to the truth of this, which is like life is finite. It is alarmingly finite when you express it in terms of weeks. But this is reality. And if you can actually confront reality instead of... Actually, I think so many of our kind of supposed productivity techniques and supposed happiness tricks are all basically about helping us avoid reality. They're enabling a problem instead of solving it. And I really think that the more that we can gently push ourselves towards staring reality in the face, it is actually liberating and it's motivating and not in a kind of terrifying way. It's, okay, this is the situation in which I find myself. Yeah, yeah. Now, what's the most extraordinary thing I could do with it?
0: Yeah, and I, I was half kidding about uh, being depressing, but I do think that we do spend a lot of time shielding ourselves from reality and and pretending that we are in control uh, of of what's going on sometimes, and I think that sets the wrong
1: expectation, which then just sets us up for for failure. Right, and it, especially it means that I, I think I'm sure some listeners will know what I'm talking about because I think it's very widespread feeling. It's not that you are. It's not that you fail to get on top of everything and get your life in control it's that it always feels like it's going to be next week or next month that you're going to finally get yeah. your life in control and so you end up living for the future right you're putting the whole value of your life it's at a time other than now and if you just do that until the end of your life then you've
0: lived. I've owned my own business for 30 years. And I certainly came to the realization there's always more to do. You'll never get it all done. And that's not, I'm not saying that in a depressing way. There's always more I want to do. And so I think that they, I think that a lot of what I believe you're suggesting to people is we get to choose. We just
1: need to choose. And in fact that you always already are choosing. And if you decide to work on your business from seven in the morning till midnight, then there's something you could be doing with your life outside of that that you're not doing. So I think once you, this is why I really do find it quite a relaxing perspective shift because it's not like the advice is to suddenly start making tough choices. It's to suddenly see that you already were making tough choices. And then you can make them consciously. And I think in a world of when it comes to work, because everything is so endless, if you're in a job where you're getting demands from the boss, those demands are endless. But if you're self-employed and you've got a million ambitions, those ambitions are endless. It's the same endlessness, even though they have a sort of different quality. I, I think what you have to do really is say, okay, I'm going to allot this amount of time in the day to work. And given that boundary, what makes the most sense to to do. And then you really get down to business of weighing one task against another task and seeing what you care about the most.
0: It's scientifically proven. We will use whatever we will fill whatever space we have. with And right. so I think you're absolutely right. So now I have to tell you, I have because i've owned my own business for 30 years i've been trying to run faster i've been trying to do more be more efficient so everybody you mentioned in the book david allen the inbox zero guys the pomodoro method i've done them all too yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i think that you, you really do come to the conclusion that it's, it's just like turning up the speed on the treadmill you run faster but you are more exhausted
1: and because it's a treadmill you're never going to get to the end of this thing because it <laughs> goes right, right yeah i think one thing that's worth saying I have a huge respect for David Allen's work and I've yep. actually found the Pomodoro technique recently returning to it again to have something going for it. I think that it, it's almost more a question of the spirit in which you come to these right. methods than the methods themselves. And if you are adopting a new technique or a new way of organizing your tasks with this agenda in the back of your mind, one day this is going to enable you to right. never have to make tough choices again To be able to do every single thing you'd ever dreamed of, and never disappoint anybody, or make anybody mad with you, or say no to anybody—that's a recipe for disaster. But if you, if you don't think that, if you move through that to this feeling of okay, I'm finite, I'm going to be able to do a few things and not most of the others. Once you're in that mindset, I think getting things done or the Pomodoro technique can be totally great ways to, to implement.
0: Yeah, I, I actually I don't find that I can't use the Pomodoro method in my day to day work because there's just too many distractions and interruptions. It seems, right. and, and for those that aren't familiar, it, basically you break your day up into thirty minute chunks. You work for twenty five, you take five off, maybe you put a couple chunks together, then you take a longer break. It's essentially it. I will say that in writing my books, that I I found it very useful for that because I would I would say to myself, I'm going to write for six days. There's no or six hours. There's right. no no interruptions, there's not checking email. And so then having that sort of rhythm uh, really did work for me.
1: Also, it, it remi- I, I totally know what you're saying. And I, I think it re- really reminds you that suddenly it becomes much less intimidating, right? Because yeah. it's like, all I have to do is 25 minutes right. and then another 25 minutes and then another 25 minutes. Yeah. But that's all life ever is. All you're ever doing is spending 25 minutes on something. So I think there's a really lovely, I think in that kind of time boxing idea, I, yeah. I would count Pomodoro, as one form of time boxing although it can be used in this sort of futile quest to become the productivity god or whatever i I think that there's something really lovely there which is just okay it's it it returns you to the idea of like i don't know tilling the soil or, or it's like you feel a bit more like a farmer somehow you're just doing the stuff for a little while and you'll do the same tomorrow and gradually incrementally like that's how great things come to be
0: and now let's hear from a sponsor. Do you wish you could get more traffic from Google? Duh, I mean, but half the battle is understanding what to focus on, what you need to fix on your site. Href's Webmaster Tools will give you a professional website audit for free. Href's will discover optimization opportunities for your website and help you get more organic traffic. You'll see which keywords your pages are ranking for. Understand how Google sees your content and discover what changes you need to improve your visibility. Imagine the benefits to your business. Visit ahrefs.com AWT to sign up for this free tool and connect it to your website and you're all set. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot AWT and you can also find this in our show notes. So you spend a lot of time, I I believe in this book, really setting up a, sort of a philosophical point of view. You just mentioned the farmers. I think that section is in early on is is pretty brilliant that they didn't have watches. They didn't pay attention to time. They didn't have incremental wages based on how many hours they worked. And that's all gone away. It's almost like we're, that's all we have to sell now is our, our incremental right you
1: know, inventory. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. Tell me how sort of spacey and philosophical you want to get, but I do think there is this Very basic shift that we made as a result of industrialization and all sorts of other things from just being time as something that you're in, it's like the medium that life unfolds in, through to time being like a resource. It's not the same, you're separate from it and you've got to use it properly and you might be wasting it. And that's when you, yeah, and it's something you can sell in the same way that you could sell a physical possession that you had. And I'm not suggesting we should all go back to the lifestyles of medieval farmers because they died of horrible diseases <laughs> I've could have gone
0: through my entire life without hearing about st. James fire if you want to know
1: <laughs> yes there are some gross diseases but I do think this there is something to there's some wisdom to take from that time and, and unfold into our own very different lives which is just that it, there's something a little bit it's useful to treat time as a resource to think about calendars and yardsticks and timelines But it's a tool to maybe pick up and use, and then maybe you can put it down at the end of the day. And when you go onto your deck or walk down the street or go on a stroll in the hills, you can actually just be (laughs) instead of trying to maximize every minute of of that time. So I
0: should have just started with, Oliver, what is time?
1: (laughs) Yeah. We could have gotten, <laughs> we'll be we here in really, five hours still yeah. talking.
0: Right. So, my grandmother used to say, and she probably didn't make this up, but if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. And I used to believe that she used to say that about me because she I would do things for her. And I used to wear that as a badge of honor. And now I realize it's actually a curse, isn't
1: it? Yeah. I think you're talking there about an example of what I call in the book the efficiency trap. This idea that if you get real, if you only focus on getting really efficient at doing your work, in the absence of any sort of bigger sort of value that you're using to determine what you work on, all that's going to happen is you get more work, right? Especially you imagine it in a sort of corporate setting. If you're the guy in the office who gets a reputation for doing projects twice as fast as anyone else, of course you're going to get given more projects <laughs> to do. What do you expect? The reward for good time management, as they say, is more work. It's actually, it's a fascinating, it's getting us off, off topic maybe, but it's a fascinating pattern that occurs in all sorts of areas of life like when they widen freeways they put an extra lane on freeway to ease the congestion and more cars start using that route so the congestion goes back to how it was and it's the same thing right if you all you do to a system is make it more efficient it'll just get blocked up with more inputs so what you have to do there's nothing wrong i don't think with being a bit more efficient about how you do things but you have to marry that efficiency to like some fairly clear sense of which things you're going to be saying yes to and which things you're going to be saying no to. And sure the person being pestered by the boss may not be in a position to refuse, no. but to some extent, I think we all have some freedoms to uh, some room for maneuver to say, I'm not just going to focus on getting better at doing more stuff. Like why? What's the point of having done more stuff?
0: There's well, got talk, to be some
1: point. Yeah. You know?
0: Let's talk about a couple of the, of the stuff thieves. <laughs> um, <laughs> email. That's the bane of most of our existence today. And I actually, there's another book in the category called Make Time. I think it's called Make Time or Make yeah, Time. yeah. yeah. Great book. And I think they share a similar philosophy. It's not about getting more done. It's, it's actually about just being focused on what you should do. And one of the bits of advice, because that book is a little more about hacks, <laughs> but yeah. one of the bits of advice is, is to just get in the habit of being really slow to respond to email because you train people that you aren't going to respond immediately so they
1: don't expect it. And again, obviously it's going to be different people, different contexts. There are some emails you can't ignore. But one thing that I have found, I think a lot of people have found in many contexts is, firstly, fewer people are going to demand that you solve their problems if you're a little Uh bit less responsive on email. And secondly, like lots of the things they're worried about if you just give it a few days, yeah, wait it, it turns out. out that crisis was never a crisis. <laughs> it turns out that events went a different way and they and they and we didn't need to have that discussion in the first place. And there's partly this is a little bit of a humorous point about trying to be strategically a procrastinator. <laughs> but there's something else in that about, I think, about just the tempo at which we work, that there can be something counterproductive about working at a really fast
0: yeah,
1: tempo. Yeah. And if yeah. you give enough time... To see how things go, to get feedback, to have time to think about things, you can actually get further faster yeah. if you're willing to. Yeah, me
0: Of uh, one of the original books, probably on this, at least that I encountered was Stephen Covey's Seven Habits, and he talks about the urgent but not important, and and
1: how much right. of our life is sucked up by that. Yes, says, absolutely. That's yeah. really... the Eisenhower Matrix. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: Chapter four that you just alluded to is probably my favorite chapter, and that's about uh, procrastination. And I think that in a lot of ways, what you're you as you said, procrastination, because everybody's, oh, I can, I can do that. What's that chapter about? <laughs> but in a sense, it's really about getting
1: good at what not to do, isn't it? I think when you live in the world that we live in and you, someone who wants to accomplish things, you've got to understand that the key principle of time management is figuring out what to neglect when, yeah. Yeah. rather than figuring out how to fit everything in. That's the treadmill direction that we were talking about and although of course on some level i say that i will honor stephen covey for having done some path path path-breaking original work here i'm also a bit rude about him in the book because of this very famous um thing about the big rocks where you're supposed to it's the sort of idea that if you make time for your big rocks first you'll fit everything in but if you don't make time for your big rocks first there's a whole story about putting rocks in the jam jar that i'm sure people will be familiar with yeah and what i want to say is that today anyway the problem is there are just too many rocks, right? It isn't that we haven't prioritized things in the right way. It's that too many things feel like they matter and on some level do matter. Yeah. Um, so tough choices are required. But I also think that is quite liberating because once you know that you're not going to find a way to cram everything in, it's a big weight off your shoulders. You can just say, well, okay, well, what's actually the most meaningful, exciting, lucrative, whatever it might be for you, what, of the things that that I could do and that is what i mean by being a better procrastinator it's like you're going to be procrastinating on a lot of things at any moment anyway so just try to make sure that they're the right ones
0: i want to talk about two topics that probably do take us back into the philosophical realm again the first one is mindfulness i feel like so much of what you're talking about is we're constantly chasing the future even if it's Mm. just mentally chasing the future and how much joy does that rob from
1: the i think that's really well put i i I don't use, maybe use the word mindfulness very much because I also don't want to turn, I, I was quite deliberately didn't want to make this book where the main advice was just like, you've got to meditate because- Hang
0: it, that's what I wanted to hear though. <laughs> people who can meditate and have a good meditation
1: practice, that's great. <laughs> I've always been a bit patchy at it and I wasn't going to preach to other people <laughs> that they should be doing something I find so hard. But um, yeah, I think a certain amount of instrumentalizing time, a certain amount of thinking about what you're doing now because of where it's leading is totally inevitable and necessary. And you can't live if you're never doing that. But we've got to a stage, I think, encouraged more generally by the economic system that we live in, where that's really everything. Yeah. And you get to the point where it feels like an hour can't be well spent if, unless it's storing, unless it's working towards some big future accomplishment even in the field of leisure and I, I talk in the book about how like we all have we all know people who are always training for a 10k but never just going for a run yeah and I've been that person in other domains as well and there's a real there's something really sort of ultimately insane I think even though it's a societal insanity about living that way because like you you just miss life right and you just if you do that until you die, the day you die then you've never had the you never actually have that moment. So I think it's a subtle thing because I'm not suggesting that people don't achieve, like work on ambitious projects, but it's something more about trying if possible to relish them in the moment yeah. that you're doing them yeah. rather than just storing up the the benefits for a later point, because that is a really no way to live.
0: All right. I'm, I'm going to finish up on another heavy one. <laughs> How much is the way we work that you've described contributing to uh, this growing sense of loneliness and depression in the world.
1: I think that's another sort of angle that I yeah. get into is, I think another of the mistakes we make in terms of what we want out of our time, as well as being hyper-productive, is this sense of individual sovereignty over your time. Right. So like the, the ideal goal seems to be, the perfect life would be that I, I got to decide exactly what I did with any moment of my time. And in this idea of the digital nomad, the, the person who runs their business from a beach, from the top of a mountain, you find this the sort of ultimate expression of this idea. They're just completely free agents. But lots of them will tell you that it's a really lonely life because you're checked out of the rhythms and the routines that we have communally that, that make us feel That make life so meaningful and I think even those of us who are not digital nomads there's a lot of this going on in the modern world if you're a self-employed person I guess we both are and you run your own ship in one way you have a lot of freedom in another sense you're not in a rhythm with other people and there's no particular reason why some friend of yours who you might want to see is going to be on the same rhythm. And so everything gets out of sync. And so I think there's something to be said for that sort of traditional approach where everyone used to do the same thing on a Sunday, or maybe you even just if you join an organization, if you join a sports amateur sports team or a choir or a band or something, you, don't, you can't run that schedule because everyone has to agree. So I think it's useful to make a few commitments like that in life you, as well
0: you reference a a very large number of studies and books and research some of which is quite old i'm curious as a fellow author was that is that uh, fun for you to to do that because I, you really came up with some i would say pretty obscure references in some cases in yeah that. no
1: i really enjoy i i enjoy plunging into all that stuff and i enjoy finding and collecting that stuff and i and i also sort of I personally enjoy writing the kind of book that quotes Heidegger, but also Danielle <laughs> Steele. I find it fun and interesting to show how these ideas yeah. pop up in yeah. these different places. So, yeah, that part of it is really fun for me. The writing process, I wouldn't say I find that fun. Yeah. But yeah. it's satisfying to have done it. Yeah.
0: Speaking with Oliver Berkman, we're talking about his book, 4,000 Weeks, which is available. If you're listening to this show, it's available because it's out. You can buy it anywhere that you get books, in Kindle, in, in audiobook. He has, as you can tell, he has a very soothing voice. You might want to listen to him for <laughs> seven or eight hours consuming it that way. But uh, is there anywhere else that you'd like to invite people to connect with you? My
1: website, oliverberkman.com, has the rest. I do a, an email every a couple of times a month called The Imperfectionist, which I'd love people to sign up for if they're interested. Awesome. Thanks
0: for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And I I now have an entirely new appreciation for the fact that I can no longer manage
1: time. It's wonderful. Don't be depressed about it. (laughs) Thanks, John.
0: All right. So that wraps up another episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And you know, we love those reviews and comments and just generally tell me what you think. Also, did you know that you could offer the Duct Tape Marketing System, our system, to your clients and build a complete marketing, consulting, coaching business, or maybe level up an agency with some additional services? That's right, check out the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that Offer Our System to Your Clients tab.